today. I don't have a very lengthy message because uh, I want to share something that is in my heart, that has been in my heart for the last couple of weeks. And uh, we know that uh, we had a guest speakers for the last two weeks. It just so happened that way. Uh, so I did not speak, but uh, today I have a chance to share this with you. And uh, this is not going to be a lengthy message. Usually I pray for one hour, I mean preach for one hour here. But uh, today I will not. Uh, tomorrow, uh, tomorrow evening, myself and my wife are going to our mission fields for two weeks. And we have been busy getting ready for that. Um, and uh, keep us in our prayers at the end of our service. Also, our church will, uh, leaders will come to our front and send us uh, with uh, your prayers. Amen. So, um, in Psalms 1, 1 and 2. The Bible tells us uh, that uh, we should not only um, keep away from certain things, but also we have to keep certain things. Verse 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law... He meditates day and night. So verse 1 tells us things we should keep away from. And verse 2 tells us things that we need to do. So it's not good enough to avoid certain company. And, and, and we feel good that, oh, I don't, I don't mingle with that crowd. But that's not enough when you're a Christian. The Bible says you have to delight in the law of the Lord. And we know that in the Old Testament, when... When that psalm was written, they only heard the Old Testament. So they were basically talking about the Old Testament. Today we have the whole Bible. So the Bible tells us we have to delight. We have to find pleasure in reading the Bible and meditating in, uh, on the Bible. Only then you can say, I am growing as a Christian. But unfortunately, living in a city like New York, we can come up with all kinds of excuses for not finding time to read the Bible. Now, I gave you a, a, a self-checkpoint, I think about a month ago or two months ago. All you had to do is at the end of the day, you tell your phone how much time you were on social media. Okay, that will wake you up. Just ask your phone. Phone will tell you how, many, how long you were on social media that day. And then you think, okay, if I spend this much time on social media, could I have spent 15 minutes out of that delighting in the law of the Lord, which, mean, which means reading the Bible and meditating on the Bible. Now, um, that's, a, that's, a, that's a measurable yardstick of our growth as Christians. Okay, so there should never be one day in your life where you, spend, you did not spend at least some time reading the Bible. And I have told you that if you are extremely busy on a given day, you can always listen if you have Bible apps, you know, in your, in your phone. So, and it has all the versions of the English Bible and some other languages. But the good thing is that many of the English Bible has an audible version. So you just take the, uh, whatever chapter you want to read and press that, uh, that speaker button and it will start playing for it, for you through the car radio. So we can do this, folks. Okay? You can delight yourself in the law of the Lord every day. 
and it will definitely help you grow in, a, uh, in your walk with the Lord. Amen? So, it's that kind of a message that I'm going to give you today. Okay, so, the title of my message is Sons of God. Sons of God. And uh, our, our key verse, verses for this morning is taken from Romans chapter 8. I put that up there so you can just read that. Now, while you are reading that along with me, I wanted to note that there are two, two places where I put it in yellow color. The rest of it is in white color. Now, our message this morning will be just based on those two things, those two phrases, all right? And we're going to meditate on the law of the Lord. Okay, let's, uh, let's read that. This is what the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Now you notice that there are two different phrases used about our relationship with God. One place in verse 14, go back to the previous slide for a minute. Uh, the when one, one place in verse 14 it uses the phrase sons of God. But when we come to verse 16, it uses children of God. So it's just a nuance of language. Uh, it, is it interchangeable? Actually, it's not. When we study Bible, now we can go to the next slide. When you go uh, and uh, take, study Bible a little more deep, you realize that uh, uh, in the original language in which this book was written, which is Koine Greek, uh, Apostle Paul had used two different words. One, both words are there in Greek language also. Okay, the, it's kind of difficult to pronounce the first word. Uio is a word for sons in, in Greek language. Theo means God. So in verse 14, where the, in English Bible it says uh, sons of God, in the Greek Bible you will see Uio Theo. That means sons of God. I will explain the big, what is the big deal in a few minutes. And the second time when we come to verse 16, you don't see the same word in Greek. It says tekna, tekna theo. Tekna means children. Tekna theo means children of God. So in the original language, two different words were used by Apostle Paul. So when the Bible was translated to many languages, like English, the translators made sure that they came up with the two different words. They used the two different words to convey the idea more. But, but when you read it in English, you don't get the message, what he was trying to say. Okay, is it talking about the same relationship with God? Or these two words were used to uh, refer to two different type of relationship that we have with God. That's our message this morning, all right? But some languages, like my mother tongue, you know, so uses only one word. So I never even noticed that. I never even noticed that until a couple of weeks ago. I was, uh, I was reading this verse in, you know, in my personal meditation and study. 
And then I noticed all of a sudden, oh, in English they have two different words. Uh, and, and, uh, uh, and my mother tongue has only one word. Oh, so why? Why they have only one word and here we have two different words? So I decided to, I know a little bit of Greek now. So I decided to take my Greek New Testament and look it up to make sure that, uh, um, you know, if, uh, the original language, originally when Paul wrote this, he actually used two different words. And then, of course, you have to take those words and you have to dig a little more detail to find out why did he use two different words? What's the difference? What's the big deal? That's our, our message today, all right? Okay, let's go to the next slide. I told you it's not going to be a very long message, but a very profound and something that really delighted me. I hope I can convey uh, the delight that I have in my heart to you through my words. Okay, so these two words are different. These two words have completely different okay, approach in, in the original Greek language. And in the first century, Roman Empire, where Christianity came into existence and where Paul wrote these books. They're completely different. The word techna or technon is the singular form. Techna is the plural form. And, and techna is used for little children. Just like, uh, you know, we have different words in English language. You know, we say baby, we say toddler next stage. Then we say young child. Then we say young, uh, a child. Uh, and then we will say, you know, a student or a, or a preteen, teen, young adult, adult. You know, my grandson is, you know, nine years old. Now, and he's all, you know, I mean, we have these in, intimate conversations all the time. And he said, Grandpa, pretty soon I'm not going to be a child. <laughs> he's nine years old now. Okay, he says, when I reach, because he just had his ninth birthday. He said, after my tenth birthday, you should not call me a child. <laughs> I mean, we have these interesting conversations all the time. Okay, so we have different words in English, right? At same way, in Greek language also, they have different words. I'm not going to go there this morning. Uh, but the word technon or techna is used for little children. But that word was not used for all little children. This is where the beauty of this message is. That word was never used for all the little children in the Roman Empire. That word was only used for the children born in your own family. So the word technon or techna denote a child that is begotten. And begotten you know, uh, shows there's a father involved. Amen? And so this word they use only for the children that are born in a family from a father. Now, some time ago, I, uh, I, I shared a message, I, I don't know, a couple of years ago. I was giving you different pictures about the church in the Bible. And I don't know if any of you remember that message. One message was titled, Church as a Family. And I'm pretty sure you may find that on our website or our YouTube channel. If you are interested, you can listen to it. And at that time, I, I still remember explaining to you that uh, in biblical times, in the first century world, when the Bible was written, you know, the, the word for family in the Greek language is patria, patria. Today we say patriarchal. When we say patriarchal, you know, and it means along the line of the father. 
and we use the word matriarchal when we talk about along the line of the mother but in Greek language the word for family is patria and the word patria came from the word for father which is pater pater so in the first century world they couldn't even think of a family without a father compare that with our situation today I know a good number of mothers in this church are single moms and always my heart breaks for them because I can imagine how difficult it is for them to take care of their family without the presence of a father and to be the both the father and mother to their children especially if you are ch small children to take care of take them everywhere to do meet all of their needs it's extremely difficult but the Bible Bible in the Bible had a concept of a family not as a single family single mom family or single dad family Bible has a concept of a family where both the father and mother is present and that's why when people go through difficulties and come to me you know uh, about that or counsel I always try my best to preserve that marriage uh, because of the difficulties but that doesn't mean that it always works okay I know sometimes you have no choice okay um, I accept that I understand that and I accept that but it's a it's a difficult difficult and different world in which we live today so the word for family itself talked about a father and the children in that family was begotten by the father or begotten from the father you know so this is the concept that uh, the word technon represent or techna represent little children you know when the Bible says in uh, in Romans chapter um, 8 and 16 the spirit bears himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God it's saying that we are techna theo that means we are born into the family of God amen and that's very very important so then you can understand uh, the a deeper meaning of a verse that you heard earlier that I was referring to first John chapter 3 and verse 1 behold what manner of love the father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God see I want to I want to emphasize this again and again especially because in 21st century world there's so many English translations of the Bible out there but the original language and the original translations were very 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 meticulous meticulous they took a lot of time to come up with the exact word that the order meant and they wanted to make sure that they are not giving a or introducing a foreign concept so the first John chapter 3 and verse 1 when we called it even I make that mistake sometimes when we called it and we will say interchangeably sometimes we say behold what manner of love the father has bestowed upon us that we may be called the sons of God but Bible does not make that mistake Bible is very meticulous Bible says that we may be called children of God why is that important based on what I shared with you so much because the Bible is emphasizing the fact that father sent his son into this world to die on the cross for our sake so that in that process we have 
been given a way to be born into the household of God. Hallelujah. So turn to somebody and say, I'm a member of the household of God. Amen. This is very, very important. Amen. Very, very important to realize that. Because when I come to the second word, you will understand the difference. Amen. So uh, in, in Hebrews uh, chapter 12, verse 22 to 24, you know how the Bible calls us. This is the, um, I am not going to emphasize, uh, explain the whole passage, but in verse 23, this is the way the Bible calls you and me this morning. The general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. Can I read that phrase again? You know, some of these phrases in the New Testament is so rich. You have to develop a habit of delighting in the law of the Lord. You know, you have to sit in the presence of God, open that up. Don't just read through the Bible. When you come across a phrase like that, you know, you have to stop reading. And you say, oh my God, the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. What? Is the Bible saying, why did they use such a heavy, rich phrase there? And that's how you develop a habit of studying the Bible. Amen. So, this morning, you are a privileged person. Amen. You are born into the household of God. Hallelujah. God is your heavenly father. Amen. I will come to that at the conclusion of my message. Why is that important? Amen. God is your heavenly father. So can you turn to somebody again and say that I am born into the household of God. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Amen. So when the Bible says we are children of God, Remember, there are two phrases, sons of God and children of God. I'll come to sons of God in a couple of minutes. So now we are going deeper into this, why the Bible calls us children of God. So when the, when the Bible calls us children of God, going to the next slide, you know, you will see that uh, we are children of God by relationship. Amen. Yes. We are children of God by relationship. Amen. Now, there are, there's a, there are two verses I have to bring to your attention that will, will clarify that thought, which is Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses, 20, verse, verses 12 and 13. Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. And this is what the Bible says in verse 12. But as many as received him. Remember so far it was saying we are born into the household, household of God. But how did that happen? When did that happen? See, verse 12 says, but as many as received him to them he gave the right say right to become children of God again if you go there you will see this same phrase and I'm going to go into the Greek words to to those who believe in his name so it is your right to be called a child of God remember Generally, we, we, in our conversation, we, we usually use very loose way. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. There are so many songs that talk about the fact that I'm a child of God, right? Now, today you're getting a deeper understanding about that. It's not wrong to say you are a child of God. Not wrong to call yourself a child of God. But today you're getting a deeper understanding about what it means to be a child of God. Amen. And sometimes people say that, oh, every human being is a child of God. No, you're not. At least Bible doesn't teach that. 
To feel good, we can go, living in a pluralistic society, we can say that everybody is a child of God, not only you. But when you study Bible, the Bible does not support that concept because when the Bible calls you a child of God, the Bible says you have been given a right to be a child of God. You didn't just take that by yourself. You didn't just wake up one morning and say, oh, from today I'm going to call myself a child of God. That's not what the Bible tells us. You have been given a right to be called a child of God. And who, did you, who gave you that right? Come on, tell me. Who gave you the right? And when did you get the right? Because let me read that verse again. Look at that verse again. The verse is up there, I believe. Look, read that verse with me. But as many as have received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. So this morning, if you want to call yourself a child of God, first you have to receive him. And you know what? That means, that means you have to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. Amen. And every person who has accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior has a right to be called a child of God. Yes, you can give a clap offering to the Lord in this place. Hallelujah. And then, it, then John emphasizes that even more at the second part of that verse. And he says, listen, listen, I don't want any confusion. I don't want anybody getting confused. So let me emphasize this again. This was a writing style of John. You will see that in the gospel and in his epistles. He will emphasize things all over again to make sure that nobody is getting his message wrong. You know, make sure that you are getting his message right. So after saying that, the second part or the last part of that verse, he re-emphasizes that and he says, to those who believe in his name. So if you want to be called a child of God, you have to take certain steps in your life. You have to accept Jesus Christ as your, as your Savior. Amen. You have to receive Him. And then also you have to those who believe in His name. Whose name? In the name of Jesus. So every person who has accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, whether you're listening to me here or online, you have a right to call yourself a child of God. Let nobody deny the right to you. Amen? Because nobody else gave you the right. No human beings gave you the right. Your pastor didn't give you the right. Your parents didn't give you the right. Your Sunday school teacher didn't give you the right. Only one person can give you the right. That is the person in whom you have believed this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then in verse 13, you know, John is a very logical writer, okay? And we can see that principles of logic is always involved in his writings. Um, In verse 13, he tells us that, but at the same time, you have to remember this. See, look at this, verse 13. Who were born, talking about after being given the right to become children of God, in verse 13, he tells us, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You know what he was trying to do? He's trying to differentiate us from the only begotten Son of God. Yes, we are begotten in the family. Yes, that's why that word is used. Yes, we have been given the right. But 
We did not become part of this family by blood. This is not a... In, we always say that our relationship is a blood relation because of the blood that Jesus shed on the cross in Calvary. Um, but that's not the idea here. He's saying that, remember, like when you have your own cousin, you will say, this is my blood. You know, we are, we are blood uh, relatives. We, but we are not blood relatives because we were all Gentiles at one time. Remember? We are far away from the commonwealth of Israel. We were outside of the kingdom of God. And we are far away from the laws of God. And therefore we cannot claim any blood relationship as members of the household of God. So it's not of the blood. And also it says, nor of the will of the flesh. It's a natural way you become a child. And nor of the will of man, but of God. So you are a child of God this morning only because God chose to make you a child of God. Hallelujah! Amen. We are children of God because of the will of God. Hallelujah. And how did that will became fulfilled? When he decided to send his only begotten son into this world. To come into this world and live among us for 33 plus years. And die on the cross and die the wretched death. And pay for all of our sins with his precious blood. You know that will was fulfilled. Remember what Jesus prayed. Not my will. But let thy will be done and he yielded himself to the father's will and what was the last thing saying from the cross it is finished he finished that will and when he finished that will by doing so he also opened a way for us to become children of God to be born in the household of God go to the next slide now we come to the second phrase that we saw in the original passage that we read, Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 17, which is the sons of, the phrase sons of God. And there in the Greek language, I told you there's a, a, a hard to pronounce word is used. Uios is the word for sons used there. Okay. Uios simply means son. Simply means son. It doesn't mean child or anything. It's a son, any age. You know, my son is 40 years old and uh, when I text him, I, I always write, hello, son. You know, so it doesn't matter how old he is, he's still your son, right? Uh, so it is in that sense, this particular word is used in the Greek language. And that's one difference. You know what is the major difference? The major difference is that whenever the Bible uses the word uios, it is not talking about relationship. It is talking about rights and privileges. Are you with me? Why this message is here this morning? Did you understand? Now you get an idea why I chose to pre preach this message this morning. Because in the first one is all about relationship. And John especially is somebody who emphasizes a relationship. Remember a couple of Sundays ago I spoke about another message from John. And I said he's called the apostle of love. Because it's all about everything that he, he sees everything through the eyes of relationship. Whereas... Uios is the word that, uh, that Paul loves. Paul also uses the word techna a couple of places. But, uh, but Paul loves this word. You know why? Paul thinks, and you know, he's a scholarly man, and he thinks about the rights and privileges of sons or sonship, which is very important in his society. Important. Because all the sons in that community, all the sons in the Roman Empire were not begotten. 
Please listen to me. All the sons were not begotten. If you go back to that message I referred to earlier, which I preached a couple of years ago, I, I do not have time to go through all of that today. I gave a detailed description about how adoption was done in the Roman Empire. And you will notice that many of the senators in the Roman Senate were adopted people. Today when we think about adoption, we usually think about going to Bangladesh or some country in Africa or somewhere like that and adopting a child. And I know many people who have adopted children, okay, like that. And here also, if you cannot have a child naturally, at some point you may decide to adopt a child. And that's an act of sympathy. But adoption in biblical times was not an act of sympathy. Many times they purposely did this to, say, to keep the fortune. Because senators were the richest people in that empire. And they, were, they had a huge estates and, and lots of money. So to make sure the money doesn't get diluted, you know, what they would do is uh, they will go and adopt a son of another senator. Adopt a son of another senator who is also very wealthy. So instead of his wealth getting diluted, his wealth gets multiplied. So they purposely did that. And I, have a, I shared with you that day in that message that you cannot just go and say that I want to adopt a child and come, come with me. You cannot do that. I mean, even in our today's world also, if you go to a poor country and try to adopt a child, you will see how, much, how many procedures you have to go through before they will let that child go. So they had a strict rules like that in the Roman Empire also. Amen. And you had to show that you can afford another child. You can take care of him. And, and you had to write on a piece of paper before a magistrate that just as you give uh, portions to your natural sons, techna, you will also give portions to the adopted sons. In other words, let me say I have one son, natural son. And then I decided to adopt another son from somewhere in the world. So I had to go before a magistrate and, and sign a document saying that when I die at the end of my life, my estate will be equally divided between my natural son and my adopted son. Are you with me? Do you know why the spirit of adoption is so emphasized in the Bible? I mean, Paul always talk about adoption in the book, of, the book of Galatians, chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. This is what he said. When the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive adoption as sons. So the Bible tells us that we have two levels of relationship with God. Every Christian has two different... Two different levels of relationship with God. One is we are born into the household of God. The day we accepted Jesus as our Savior. When we were born into the household of God. So nobody can deny that. Amen. You are born into the household of God. At the same time the Bible also says that uh, you have rights and privileges of sonship. And then Paul uses the word adoption. The spirit of, even, even in the Romans chapter 8 verse 15, he talks about the spirit of adoption is that is in you that causes you to cry out, Abba, Father. Because you have a, a feeling of belonging. Are you with me this morning? 
You have a feeling of belonging. We live in an estranged world. Even children who are born in homes, natural children many times don't have that feeling of belonging. And we know that children are going through so much in our day and age. They become estranged from their own parents because they don't have that feeling of belonging. Probably the parents have it. But the kids many times cannot reciprocate that because of all the various influence, impulses coming into the life from all different areas. And so they say, oh, I am all alone. I, you know how many times I have told you that I was a youth leader before I became a pastor. You know, looking back, you know how many times kids, kid came and, kids came to me and said, uh, I'm so lonely. So I always wonder. I said, don't you have a father? Don't you have a mother? Don't you have siblings? Why do you say you are so lonely? You know, because that's the age in which we live. Because the, as the population is increasing more and more, people are getting lonelier and lonelier. Have you noticed that? You can walk through Manhattan, you know, from morning till night, and bump into a thousand people during that walk. Maybe not even one will turn around to take a look at you. Who is this guy who bumped into me? You know why? Because we are all so absorbed in our own world. We live such lonely lives in this world today. But the Bible says that's not the way. You should be as a child of God. You know why? Because when you believed, you became not only a, a born member of the household of God, but God also sent His Spirit into you. Amen? And that Spirit is always in you, and encouraging you to reach out to your Heavenly Father. Hallelujah! When you go through situations, when you go through tough times, when you need an answer in your life, instead of looking here and there, the Holy Spirit inside of you will remind you that you are not a lonely person, you are not a forgotten person, you are not a forlorn person, you have a heavenly Father. Reach out to Him. And the Holy Spirit will encourage you to call upon His name, Abba, Abba, Father. And we know that the word Abba is Daddy. And you don't call your neighbor Daddy. You don't call a stranger Daddy. You call somebody a Daddy only if you have a personal relationship with that person. Amen. So this morning, when you go through different situations in your life, you have to remind yourself that I am not a forgiven person. I mean, forgotten person. Amen. I am not a lonely person. I have a heavenly father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And Paul uses this concept very, very powerfully in his, in his writing, especially in the book of Galatians. And so you have two different levels of relationship with the God this morning. One, you are techna, you're like a little child, you know, a born, begotten little child in the household of God. Amen. And it's usually little children that run to their father, it's calling daddy, right? So you can run to your your God this morning, calling him daddy and beckoning him to help you. Hallelujah. Number two, you have privileges. You have rights and privileges in the kingdom of God. Amen. And that's why the first passage that we read, the last phrase in Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 17 was our key verses for this morning, right? In verse 17, this is what we read there. We are heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. What does that mean? Whatever Jesus has is mine. 
Hello. Whatever Jesus has is mine. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? That's a, that's a mind-shattering concept. Because what does Jesus have? Remember before we went back to heaven, what was the claim that he made? All authority is given unto me on earth and in heaven. Amen. And then the Bible comes later in the epistles and says, Whatever Jesus has is yours. What does that mean? That you have authority this morning, folks. You have authority this morning. If Jesus had authority over nature, you can take authority over nature. If Jesus had authority over sickness, you can take authority over sickness. If Jesus had authority over death, you can take authority over death. If Jesus had authority, you have authority too. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because you are heirs of God. And co-heirs with the, your Savior, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Let me give you a couple of verses, uh, verses from the Bible to encourage you this morning. And then we're going to pray. In the same book, Romans, same chapter, in fact. Verse 32. This is what we read there. Romans chapter 8 and verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things you know what is the meaning of all things all things whatever you need this morning whether it's a few dollars whether it's healing from sickness whether it's peace in your home peace in your personal life whatever you need you have access to it why because he first gave his son amen the bible says he, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Do you really believe that you can have all things that you need through Jesus this morning? Do you believe that Jesus has a way to meet all of your needs this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can I take you one step further? In Luke chapter 11 and verse 11, this is what Jesus said. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Listen, what you need is what Jesus is going to give you. Amen. He is ready to meet your needs this morning. That's why Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19, And my God shall supply all your needs according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Everything is because of Jesus. Amen. When He first sent Jesus into this world, he paved the way for all the rest of the blessings that we need. So this morning, I, would want you, I, would, I don't want you to be hesitant. Amen. As the worship team is coming forward, and uh, as we sing that song again, Amen, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Amen. I want you to believe. 
that he is sufficient for you. He is sufficient to meet your need this morning. Whatever is your need this morning, I want you to bring it before the Lord unashamedly. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's all stand up in the presence of God. Amen. Get yourself ready. Get yourself ready to receive from the Lord. Get yourself ready to receive from the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Father. If you walked in here this morning with a heavy heart, we don't want you to go back home with that heavy heart. Amen. We want you to lay down your burden at the foot of the cross and go home with peace this morning. Hallelujah. If there are issues that are greater than you, amen, pressing down upon your life this morning, amen, I want to tell you that you have a burden bearer this morning and his name is Jesus. Amen. You have a burden bearer this morning and his name is Jesus. You can give your burdens to him. Cast your burdens upon the Lord. Cast your burdens upon the Lord. Cast your burdens upon the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. If you have a specific, whatever, it may be the specific need that you have in your life. Amen. You can be prayed for that this morning. So I want you to step out of your seat. Come to the front. The ministers in this church are going to come to you and pray with you. Amen. While the worship team is helping us with the song. Amen. I want you to step out of your seat with faith in your heart this morning. And saying to yourself that I have a right. I have a right. What I am asking from my God this morning. I have a right. Because I am first of all born into the household of God. I have been born into the household of God. And as a child of God I am heirs with God and co-heirs with my Savior Jesus Christ. So I have a right to ask this blessing. So I'm going to step to the front and ask my God to give me this blessing. And with that attitude, I want you to come to the front this morning so that we can pray for you. Amen. And remember, it is your faith that opens the doors for you. So come, come to the front with faith this morning. Amen. Let's praise God. Praise you, Jesus.